welcome to the Cannabis Corner. I am your host, Joshua Braff, and I'm here with my partner, farmer Adam Teitelbaum. Today we are talking about migraines, such a very common ailment in America or in the world, and so many different remedies over time in an effort to relieve people. This is not just headaches we're talking about, although I hear people say, I got a migraine. And you can tell that uh, it might not be actually what a migraine is. I'm thinking lights have to go out, your day is over for now, there's a throbbing inside your skull, there's nausea involved. So it's very debilitating and very common. I have a paragraph here from a person who wrote into a website, I have had intense migraines every other day for the past five to six years and have been a cannabis user for about five years now. The migraines are so bad that it stops me from enjoying life. I take about 1,200 milligrams of ibuprofen a day, so I decided to finally do something about it and see a neurologist, and they prescribed me Topamax for preventing migraines, but the side effects are horrible. I did more research and found the CBD can prevent migraines, so I tried it in a 20 to 1 ratio tincture, and oh my God, what a change. No more headaches at all. No Advil or Motrin either. I highly recommend migraine users to try high CBD tincture. TJ is with us today. His mother-in-law, Mary, and her friend Phyllis are also with us today. And we have some migraine sufferers here. TJ came to Adam and said, I've heard the podcast and I want you to know that my mother-in-law has always suffered from migraines and is coming into some relief now, perhaps because she felt that the stigma was lifted enough to approach cannabis. Perhaps the fact that she lives in Colorado made that easier. TJ, tell us a little bit about what it is that you saw in your mother-in-law that made you approach Adam. I've been married to my wife for over 30 years, and I've obviously known my mother-in-law for that amount of time. And that entire time, I've seen her suffer greatly with migraines. Her pain is so intense that she has to shut lights off, everything you just described, and lay down, and nausea, and it's incapacitating for her. After moving back to Colorado, my youngest son, who knows Adam as well, was talking to me and he's helped me and Adam has helped me as well with some pain issues, suggested to my mother-in-law, his grandmother, that maybe she try something for her migraines. And I think at first, reluctantly, she tried it because the stigma is still there for this generation and even my generation to somewhat of a degree. And she tried it and found great success with trying it. And I just talked to Adam about how thankful I was that she had found that and his help in helping our family with issues and his ability to talk to us about what medical purposes that marijuana can provide in all different types of ailments. Right. We're talking about chronic pain. We're talking about migraines, nerve pain. And this is before we get into some of the most severe diseases that humans face. Mary, can you talk a little bit about your story? It sounds like TJ was explaining that you've suffered a long time, and then this notion of the stigma being different for the generations is very, very interesting and, and very real. We are a country of elderly, and we are a country of kids, and in both cases, there's conversation about cannabis as medicine. Tell us, Mary, when you began to take this cannabis as medicine, how long did you see a difference in the migraines? Immediately, I saw a difference, and I was from the generation where we tried so hard not to do anything illegal, and Terry and Adam and Jared had all told me the medicinal 
benefits of marijuana, and I still wouldn't do it until one day when Jared physically came over and gave me a piece of toast with some marijuana butter on it. And within 10 minutes, the throbbing of my migraine stopped, and within a half an hour, the pain was gone. And after suffering migraines for 50 years, it it was a blessing. It it was just wonderful to have that relief. And to think I had fought it so diligently embarrasses me now because it helps and people should do what helps. And I went to my medical doctor and told her what I was doing. And she said, do what works. I asked her if I needed a medical marijuana card, and she said, you do what works. And then she smiled and said, you know it's legal <laughs> in Colorado. Uh, so, reminded so, you. <laughs> yes. So it's yeah. been a life changer for me. It really has added to the quality of my life, and I am so pleased to be able to know there is relief if I get an extreme migraine. Another thing is they're much less frequent and not as severe. I am so happy for you and anyone who's having this particular day in which their grandson came over with toast. I didn't realize that with with the butter. It's just uh, I can envision the whole scene. Um, 50 years of pain and then within minutes there's relief and you're having less occasions of them. Phyllis, can you speak to this? Is this a similar story to you? Uh, did your grandson come over with toast? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, my, my son came over with a, a Tootsie Roll. Uh, <laughs> I knew it would be different. Yeah, Tootsie Roll in this story. Okay, tell us. Well, and, and my issue is not migraines. My issue has been joint pain. I'm a very active, or I used to be a very active person, and I hate not being able to exercise and do my thing. When he heard about my pain, he purchased for me a large candy bar and told me to take one little square before I go to bed. That was life-changing in that I could sleep through the entire night that way. I've been using it at night ever since, have increased my dosage at his suggestion because I was still having pain in the daytime. And the increase of dosage has helped in that now I sleep all night and I get up and I have certain stretches that I do for my joint pain. And then usually through part of the day, I don't have the pain and it does come back. But I'm afraid to take too much during the day because I don't want to be too loopy during the day. That brings up something very interesting. The guidance that's needed in order to use this plant successfully. And there are so many different strains, um, types. I know that, you know, we've spoken with different physicians here on the show who don't like to classify them as they currently are, but currently is sativa, which is something more uplifting and energetic, and indica, uh, which is more for for pain, may make you a little sleepy, more of a body high as opposed to the sativa that's a head high or a hybrid, a combination of the two uh, with varying degrees of influence from the indica side and sativa side. So you can have a sativa dominant strain, indica dominant strain, and then there's CBD 
which is one which isn't a type, but is a type of cannabinoid within these different uh, types of strains. So you could have a sativa strain that has high CBD or an indica strain that has high CBD or a hybrid that has high CBD. Or as Josh spoke in the intro about somebody who is having success with a 20 to 1 CBD to THC ratio of cannabis, which isn't going to be psychoactive, you're going to get some THC, which is a cannabinoid that is included in the entourage effect that, you know, may have a little bit of, you know, euphoria possibly there. But if it's a, if it's 20 to one, you're really not going to feel much of the THC, but you'll have more of the benefits of the CBD and the THC and the flavonoids and other cannabinoids and terpenoids, etc. So it really starts with getting the right education. Uh, and if you're using a dispensary, it's from that point person at the counter, the bud tender, the patient advocate, what have you, the person who is helping you needs to be knowledgeable and you need to speak with them about what it is you're looking for. And you can then find the right type that's going to work for you during the day, the right type for the morning and the right type for night. And those will be different. And so I, I think that's where you'd really get that help instead of just having something for the nighttime, having something for the different times of day. So what you're suggesting is that I go to a dispensary and talk to the people there who know what they're doing. And Yes, and they, and they should. You know, um, if somebody is dispensing cannabis, they should know exactly what they're dispensing and what it's going to do for different people. Now, all of our bodies are different organisms from one another, and we all can react to the same thing differently. This is advice provided within general norms and what we've been seeing and what we've been experiencing because we don't have these studies to point to because of the classification of cannabis being federally illegal. So in the meantime, it's really taken upon by the people who are dispensing this medicine to correctly guide patients and consumers through the process. And, I, you know, I know at our dispensary at Kind Care of Colorado here in Fort Collins, our bud tenders do a, a really good job of that. It's one of the reasons I'm associated, why I'm growing there, why I wanted to work there. I'm proud of the way they help people and uh, the way they've helped me. I think that's the same case at, you know, most dispensaries. And if it's not, then I'd find another one. They said on the Today Show, low and slow <laughs> to a to a mass uh, American audience in regards to how one can approach uh, cannabis. It is a time in which there are many, many people in the industry that would love to sit down with a patient and say, this might be a best route for you. Of course, it's going to be low and slow, but the best route for you. So it, during the day when that particular pain comes back for, for either of you, um, the question is, as you said, I'm not sure what to take next because I don't want to overdo it. We're talking about migraines and chronic pain so that I know that a combination of CBD and THC is to be considered in that I know that migraines cause nausea and that THC is associated with relieving that. So you can see the balance of non-psychoactive with completely with, with, with a psychoactive element and finding a balance for specific people, we're all different. So it's a little complicated as it comes rushing our way, perhaps more complex than, than alcohol. And so people are saying, well, you mean I don't just hit it and feel better? Well, no, it's, it's going to be different for different folks. So Phyllis, with your chronic pain, where is that specifically for you? 
It's in my hip and knee. It's a shooting pain that is seems to be nerve. I guess it's arthritis. As far as I know, that's what it is, degenerating arthritis. What is the medication? Before you came to cannabis, what was the medication? It wasn't anything. <laughs> I was taking Advil and Aleve, but then I'm not allowed to take that because I had a stroke. And they said, don't do that. So Tylenol is all I can take. And I didn't have a whole lot of faith in Tylenol, but I still take it. When the pain hits in the middle of the day, I take three Tylenol to get me through the rest okay, of the day. Okay, you take three Tylenol. Yeah. So, and you get relief from that? You get some relief from the Tylenol? Yeah, I think the Tylenol does help. Okay, good. And then when you came to an, a new regiment in which you were taking some form of cannabis, did you need to continue with the Tylenol? I didn't for a while. I decided no more. But then since it, the pain comes back in the middle of the day... I don't like to quit in the middle of the day, so then I take three Tylenol. I've, I've picked that up, and just within the last, uh, I would say, week, I've started to doing that. Yeah, there's always a, often a combination of, of pharmaceutical drugs and cannabis for different people. So it's uh, we love to hear the story in which cannabis won the day. In finding that harmony, there's often still chemicals being used, and what, it, like your doctor said, whatever works, because we're talking about pain. And when it comes to cannabis as medicine, we're really talking about fast relief and then hopefully the education to continue that. Do you feel that there is still a stigma in Colorado to the extent that you might not recommend cannabis to a friend with a similar issue? I would recommend it to a friend privately, and I've told many friends what I found relief doing, and I've only had one real negative reply. I've been unfriended, I figure, with it by this friend. Oh, no. Because I haven't heard from her for six months. So, And she well, was upset. Well, here's the good news. Adam yeah. Teitelbaum's your new friend. Yeah. Adam Teitelbaum, <laughs> he'll take that slot. You guys can be Facebook friends. Yeah. Um, how great. about you, Mary? Mary, do you feel like you could go up to a friend with a migraine and say, you're not going to believe this, but I've got a remedy? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel that's my duty. I, oh, good. I mean, it's helped me so much. And I think of all those years that Adam and Terry and Jared tried to get me to do it, and I wouldn't do it. And then to find such vast relief, it's amazing. So, yes, I would share it. I do share it. Oh, great. Yeah, I think that's part of how we spread the word is to say, look at me, I'm your friend, I'm not doing anything. First of all, you're doing nothing illegal by far right. uh, in your wonderful state. It depends where you're standing in the country, whether you're doing it illegally or not. But the notion that you would say, hey, I see you suffering, um, you might want to take a look at this is a big deal. And that's sort of what's growing. We'll have more with our show about how cannabis as medicine is helping people with migraines and nerve pain in a future episode of The Cannabis Corner. Chiba Chews. Chiba Chews is dedicated to producing the highest quality cannabis-infused edibles, delivering superior customer service and creating a product line to consumers. The original chocolate taffy marijuana-infused edible, known as Chiba Chews, was first cooked in Colorado with a simple question. Why can't anyone make a consistently potent cannabis-infused edible for patients in need? Chiba Chews is one of the best products out there. Check it out. And now more with our interview with Isaac Roth, head of cannabis marketing and sales at Enresco Laboratories in San Francisco, California. 
I was asking Isaac about the connection his research firm had with possible research being done with animals or even humans in the future. In the notion that research hasn't been able to go on, are you held up in your lab as far as moving along the ball when it comes to cancer and other severe diseases? Are you unable to say, we're beginning cancer research on our own in this month? And the the other part of that is human studies have not been done. There have been animal studies. Are there labs that you know of that have done animal studies? Do you have any connection with them? I can't say that I do. Um, And as far as the lab that I work at right now, we don't conduct any research. We're simply just an analytical testing lab. To Um, break apart the bud and study the properties? Well, not so much study, but it's really, really good data for growers, for extractors, for manufacturers and edible producers um, because they can come to us with a product and say, hey, here's my product or here's my skew of products. Uh, we'd like to get these different tests done. And then based on the data, on the reports that we give back to them, they can refine their process or figure out where a problem is or what the issue might be that leads to, you know, a high microbial count and an edible or a low potency with a flower. You know, maybe they harvested a little bit too early and the moisture content's too high. So the ratio between weight and potency isn't quite there. And even with terpenes, folks will come to us and say, hey, you know, we want to get a terpene test done on our flower or on our extract because we want to make sure we have a nice terpene bouquet and a nice profile for our users, uh, whether they be medicinal or recreational. So we don't do any research in the way of cancer or any diseases. We pretty much simply just test product, get the data points, and then we give that to our clients right now. Come next year, I'm pretty sure that those reports will go to the distributor in the state as well so that they'll know what products are, so to speak, clean and what products can go to market versus ones that either have to be either revised or refinished or sort of filtered and cleaned out or ones that even if they, you know, if they hit a point that's just way too bad to go to the market has to be destroyed, which is terrible because if you consider you know, a grower who spent, you know, either months growing outdoor or weeks growing indoor for that to be sort of destroyed right off the bat. And I'm sure, Adam, you can speak to this. A lot of growers, right when they harvest one batch, they've got another one planted and ready to start growing. So that kind of wipes out a whole many, many weeks or many, many months of work right there. So I think it's crucial that people start to get on board now and understand where they're getting their clones, their seeds, their supply from, their soil, their water, making sure Everything's clean, spick and span, and as really short up as it possibly can be, because next year is when things get real, so to speak. Mm. Adam, I've seen you work, and you definitely work tirelessly on these specifics. When you come down to the leaf and when you come down to the bud, I see you uh, looking at it with a microscope. And Can you speak a little bit to what Isaac's been saying? Yes, absolutely. And uh, really uh, coming out with a producing a good product starts with the right environment. And that's where I've seen a lot of growers fail when it comes to failing microbial tests. You've got to start out with the being able to control your humidity and your temperature correctly and your airflow. You've got to have a good space to dry and cure in, and that has to be tightly controlled. And yes, I've seen grows that have had to throw away, destroy pounds and pounds of cannabis, whether it's due to uh, fungus or powdery mildew or tritus. That's a heartbreaking thing to have to do. We've never failed a microbial test, and I think that's because we have a 
pretty good growing environment and also good growing practices. And of course, the number one thing is cleanliness. Got to keep your greenhouse or warehouse as clean as possible and clean between harvest rounds. Uh, We do a continuous grow at our place, which means our flower room never gets emptied out. So we have to clean the place all the time. And every time I harvest a batch or a round, I have to clean the heck out of that. As a matter of fact, Tuesday is is always the beginning of harvest for me. So when I worked for uh, a previous dispensary where we had a problematic grow environment, me and the other growers did not look forward to getting those test results because we're always scared, you know, as to whether or not we pass on the microbial level or not. And and that was an environmental issue that the owner wasn't willing to fix. In the setup that I'm at now, we've, we've got a good, stable environment, and we've never failed a microbial test. And so that makes it so that you're looking forward to the results to see how you've done, as well as I'm just hoping for things to improve on the testing end so that we can keep getting more information and more accurate information to better hone our craft. So I think it's a fascinating area. I think it would surprise listeners to see how much goes into creating a a good product because we all have experience in approaching uh, cannabis over the different years. There was the 70s and 80s, 90s, and what it's become is an industry that needs to look out for all kinds of issues because it's farming and it needs to be taken seriously. And so I'm, I'm glad to hear that the listeners can see that creating medicine for patients is very, very serious business. It's not frivolous in any way. We want to talk a little bit about New Jersey and Isaac and Adam and myself are from New Jersey and all of us are now West Coast people, but we're rooting for old New Jersey and its friend Manhattan in the realm of cannabis as medicine, and they seem very hung up with government. Isaac, what are your thoughts on New Jersey and cannabis as medicine, and what's what's holding it up so much? Well, I know the current governor of New Jersey, a uh, certain Mr. Christie, is not a big fan of the plant or any byproducts thereof. Oh, it probably doesn't um, help. Doesn't help. Uh, and as a result of both him and some other legislative holdups, Basically, New Jersey's medical market is restricted to a very, very small amount of people, very, very small amount of product on the shelves. And by product, I mean nothing inhalable, nothing smokable. I believe it's only suppositories and maybe gel capsules as edibles. And the Manhattan market's not too much better. I know that you can get a wider variety of product selection, but there's still a very small amount of dispensaries, a small amount of doctors making recommendations. And uh, I know that the restrictions for getting medical cannabis are still much higher over there in the East Coast. So um, I'm hoping that they'll take a look at what California, Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Alaska, and Hawaii are doing, and even Nevada as well. And they'll realize that, you know, we can use this as a model for how we're going to move forward with our industries with maybe a few tweaks here and there to fit, you know, their particular populace or their particular legislative agenda. But I think it's definitely something that's going to come around. It's definitely going to happen. And I think that they're going to take a very controlled approach to it as opposed to kind of how we've done it in the West so far, which is, you know, let's open up the market, see what happens and then kind of take it from there. So I, for one, am really excited to see how that market unfolds. And hopefully that time frame is a little bit shorter than longer. Right. Different states have different stories. And that one's kind of an interesting one in that it's a progressive area. Uh, Depends who you ask. And uh, we'd like to see it, the East Coast come a little bit further in its effort to join the philosophy that says 
perhaps there's great medicine in this holistic product. Adam, do you have any other questions for Isaac? You know, I, it was interesting that he mentioned uh, Governor Christie, and we know how anti-cannabis that man is, but I can't help but think how much he would benefit from uh, some cannabis therapies along with, I mean, obviously a better diet. So you're getting a sense from knowing Chris Christie that he could use some cannabis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling Governor Christie that he could, he, it actually would be great for his health to ingest some CBD, some low THC. There's some strains that are, are great for weight loss. And uh, most cannabis smokers tend to be at a better weight than our non cannabis users as well. The other thing is, as far as New Jersey goes, I guess nothing's going to really happen there legislatively until Christie's out, right? Most likely, that's probably the case. Yeah, he's a bit of a Jeff Sessions type in that respect. So so still the future, it, it seems like uh, from what I've read, is that people in the legislative body in the state of New Jersey are very interested in pursuing cannabis as medicine and maybe further than where they've taken it right now because it's extremely limited, as you had said. I guess it's like waiting in the wings for a cooperative governor to work with the legislator there, and then I do think we'll see things move. But so many of these states on the East Coast, I know, are going the no-smokable route, which I think is foolish to limit people's options. I would leave the method of ingestion up to people and people and their, their doctors or consultants. So I really don't see like seeing the limitations, which is why I love being in a place like Colorado, where we really don't have that unless a specific municipality or county decides to uh, put any kind of further restrictions. Um, but we don't see that happening because the economic climate has also been so bright. And also, as you look at statistics, as far as motor vehicle accidents and opioid abuse and health problems in general, if you look at what's happened since the legalization of cannabis here in Colorado, those stats have gone down. So I think you're just going to see hopefully more and more acceptance and hopefully some states on the East Coast starting to go about it in a, a more open and patient-centric or consumer-centric method instead of trying to, to limit it so much. I don't, I don't know. And my opinion is by limiting things like that and not having smokables, isn't the black market still just going to thrive unbelievably? Of course it is. I mean, there's still a black market here in Colorado and in California and in Oregon and Washington. So the more that that's limited, I think the more the black market will proliferate and actually ends up benefiting as people get educated more and are willing to buy more. And then if the black market's cheaper and that's the only place you can get flour to smoke, then that's where people are going to go for it. So the future will be interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting time, of course, as we keep saying in the evolution of cannabis as medicine and and legalization here and there in spots. But uh, everyone is saying in a couple of years, this is going to sort of find its balance. As we discuss it now, we'll have to uh, revisit some of these issues and see how they were banged out. New Jersey is an interesting tale. Isaac Roth, the head of cannabis marketing and sales at Enresco Laboratories in San Francisco, you have been so interesting to uh, open up your world and break down what is going on with this very exciting product that comes from the earth. We thank you so much for your time. We'd love to have you back in time so we can see how things are getting banged out. 
Definitely great to be here, Josh, and thanks for calling in, Adam. It was a pleasure speaking with you guys. And yeah, if anyone happens to have any further questions they want to ask me or any comments, uh, feel free to reach out to me at Isaac at Enresco.com, I-S-A-A-C at A-N-R-E-S-C-O.com, or uh, my personal email, iroth17 at gmail.com. Happy to answer any questions or, you know, help as needed. Thank you so much, Isaac. We want to thank you for listening to The Cannabis Corner. We're so glad to be building this community with you. Please share our podcast with your friends, send us your questions, and if you like us, follow us on social and review us on iTunes. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time on The Cannabis Corner.